Amen. Let's give God some praise this morning. And thank you for leading us, team. And as you grab your seats, I want to again just extend welcome. My name is John Wayne McMahon. I'm one of the pastors here at Marvin. I'm out of breath from carrying furniture. Um, surprise. And, uh, but if you're new or visiting, welcome. We don't take it for granted that you would choose to spend your time with us, and we're grateful that you would do that. It's always good when we can gather and worship together. Particularly if you're new, you might um, have not heard this series at all, and I encourage you to go back and listen to different weeks because it kind of puts all our cards on the table of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, to be an apprentice of Jesus, not a a uh, shallow consumer of Jesus, but one who is on the way with Jesus so they might become like Jesus and do what Jesus did in the world. And as I was thinking about how to conclude this series, uh, the Lord very distinctly put on my heart the Harlan family, uh, who are dear friends of ours, to come and share what it looks like for Jesus together, not only in a marriage, but also in community, uh, through class meetings and bands like we've talked about, but also for the church to be the church and to love well and deeply, and so I'm thankful and grateful for them to be here today. Up front, um, just as uh, I was reflecting a little bit after the first service, I do wanna give a disclaimer up front that our story today is about real hardship. It's about, uh, even as a, some of us have experienced trauma, I want you to know that we're gonna be talking about real hardship in marriage and betrayal and what it means to suffer and to walk through that, but also a story of redemption. There will be real um, adult content that's inferred today uh, that could raise some questions for your kiddos at home. And so I wanna give you this opportunity. If this is not the time that you would like uh, to hear that or to sit through that, then you can step out. We will not go into detail about those things, but your kiddos are smart, right? And so they're gonna hear those, that stuff that's happening uh, that's shared. Um, but it's a story of redemption and God shining through that hardship and difficulty and I'm excited for the Harlands to be here. They are a family we've known for uh, many years. Um, my kids are obsessed with their kiddos, and so they were very excited to see them in town, but grateful to have y'all, Kendra and Zach. Why don't you introduce us to yourself? Okay. To ourselves, okay. Um, I'm Kendra, and this is Zach. Um, we brought two of our children with us. Uh, Emma is there, and Jackson is over there. If y'all want to wave at the... Emma's 13 and Jackson is 10 and we have our third, our daughter, our middle child, uh, Caitlin. She's 12. She's playing softball right now, actually in the middle of a game right now. So I did sneak a peek at the uh, live stream video just a minute ago. So um, so uh, we, she's missed. I wish that she was here with us. Uh, Zach and I have been married for 15 years um, and we've known John Wayne and Lauren for six years and uh, they were a big part of our story and our walk um, and our journey together in our marriage. So uh, we're glad to be here and glad to share our story. So, Yeah, so excited to hear them. I told the early service, um, my, my kids love their kids. Emma was like the most faithful and prompt and committed volunteer I ever had starting at like fifth grade. And so like kiddos are like, can we help? I'm like, just follow Emma Harlan around and learn. Adults, follow Emma Harlan around and you can learn the way, but I'm so thankful and grateful for this family. Um, one, for their honesty in the journey um, and for what God's done in the midst of it. So I just wanna begin with prayer and then we'll jump into this conversation. Let's pray. Lord, we give you thanks for your presence is here with us and I pray that you would add your blessing um, to all that's been shared. 
and add your blessing to the testimony so that the gospel may shine through brightly. God, where we are empty, would you fill us? Where we are weak, would you strengthen us? Where we are wrong, would you correct us? And would you send us out once more? And God, I pray for myself and for the Harlands that what we share today would be about your message and not ours. Lord, that you would remind the Harlands even now that this is your story of redemption. And God, for all of us, that we would receive that and be encouraged to go on the way of Jesus. We love you and trust you. It's in Jesus' name. Let all God's people say, amen. amen. Well, I think for the most part, or for most of the people I know, when we talk about the Harlands, especially um, our community in Houston before we came here, people light up when they talk about your family. Just love your family, um, are kind of drawn to you, inspired by faith uh, in many different ways without even knowing what all went into where you are today. And I I think um, to know the story of what the last several years have been, tell more of what God's doing in your life now than anything else. And so I just want to hear from y'all, invite y'all to a space of, tell us about the journey that gets to this place of deep dependence on Jesus and your faith uh, in in what God's doing in your marriage as well. Um, Well, the story is is long. I said it before. Um, It's a long story and there's so much that I could and would love to, to tell, um, right. but in the interest of keeping it brief and making sure that we stay kind of within the context of the class meeting, um, I'll start early, but I'll jump through. Um, so I grew up in a Christian home. Um, I was, I guess what you would call a Christian all-star kid. I was, I grew up uh, going to church. Um, I was in all the things, Wednesday nights, Sunday mornings, uh, after school stuff, um, uh, FCA in high school, just all the, all the things. Um, and early on in my life, and it took me a while, but looking back, I realized that I was a kid that needed a lot of uh, attention. I wanted attention. I needed affection. And I found that positive attention and positive affection really was what I needed. Yeah, and, chased um, it. And so going to church and doing Christian things and, and, and being a part of clubs and groups and stuff was a great way to get that. And, and it, it wasn't just trying to act. I enjoyed going to those things. I enjoyed, I, I tried to be a good kid. I, I was uh, a handful sometimes. But, um, but anyway, the idea was is that I needed this attention and affection. And so as I started growing up, I started to, you know, want that more and need it in different ways. And, and you know, as I matured. And so um, <clears throat> I, I did, like any teenager and up and through college, just was struggling with more mature temptations. And, um, and that was hard for me because I had to, to reconcile that with being the good kid. And so I found very quickly that there were certain temptations that I could get into privately, you know, behind a closed door, um, especially when I get into college, um, was, uh, was able to hide a lot of sins, um, and so I, it also got a lot of attention that way. I felt like I was uh, getting some measure of affection that way. Um, and through college, even though I had been introduced to pornography early in my life, um, college was when that became 
uh, just exploded. It was right at the internet age, and it was, uh, it, was, it was a big deal. So I had a dorm room alone, and I was able to just delve into this thing and then walk out of the room and just be the happy-go-lucky, doing everything right, you know, uh, guy that you expected. And so I lived on this reputation for a long time, a long time. And as I got older, I started sinking deeper and deeper into this private life, this darkness as it became. Um, because I was able to, it was hidden, it was, it was quiet. Um, nobody would know if I didn't tell them. And so, and that's kind of where I lived. I lived in this isolation of, you know, I'm not gonna tell anyone about what I'm dealing with. And I actually felt like I was doing people a favor you know, I won't tell you all these bad things. You'll think I'm a good guy and we'll all get along. Um, and so what that became was this isolation that I was living in. Um, I wouldn't share anything to anyone. My own, as the story goes on, my own family closest to me did, had no idea of what was going on in my life. So um, like I said, it was the kind of the introduction to the internet age. I, it, it was, uh, there was a lot of internet communication going on early on. I, I started to use that for attention um, chatting online, um, visiting websites that I felt like could gratify some selfishness of my own. And, um, and I got heavily into that college. And, and, but the whole time, I knew what was right. And I was living in isolation. I was, I was just doing this on my own, thinking I could, I could get over it myself. Eventually, I would just stop. Um, eventually, I could, you know, quit cold turkey, if you, know, you guys have heard that, that phrase before. Um, and it just never, I never could. I thought, well, once I graduate from college, um, then I'll stop doing this stuff. And, and so I graduated from college and moved on, and it continued. I lived alone, going to work. I was, again, isolated by myself. I didn't have anybody to talk to. And plus, if at this point, I thought, if I talk to someone, if I were to tell someone what really is going on in my life, they wouldn't believe it. They would be shocked by it. And then my relationship with that person or the relationship that I knew with that person would end. Would be gone. Like they would not want to be, right. like if I had a girlfriend at the time or my parents even, they yeah. had this expectation of me and I wasn't going to be able to fulfill that if they knew that uh, what I was dealing with. So anyway, I'll get further along. Um, I thought, okay, after I graduate, it'll go away. After I get my first job, it'll go away. Maybe if I go live with some roommates and have some people around, even good Christian men, um, that'll stop. Um, and then it got to the point where, like, it's fine. You know, once I find the love of my life, well, surely, you know, surely once that happens, um, you know, things will change in my mind and my heart, and um, that darkness will go away. And then, and then I met her, and it didn't go away. And then I was like, well, once we get engaged and then once we get married and I had these huge, high, lofty expectations of marriage, what marriage would be like and how committed I was going to be and how it would make it so easy to stop doing these things. When in reality, the fact that those expectations were never being met and I had high expectations. I don't want to say that as if it was someone's fault that they weren't being met. It was my fault that they weren't being met because I was living this, maybe even setting these high expectations so that they would never be met so I could continue in this, mm -hmm. in this way of living. But, but ultimately, those conversations became more graphic. They became more intimate. Um, uh, those, even, even after I got married, um, I quit for a while, you know, like I thought I would, but that, that all came back. Um, and I was just selfish. I was a selfish person doing selfish things. And eventually, they would spiral further and further down and, and got me uh, to the point where I was not just having online conversations. I was meeting people um, in, uh, you know, just 
and, and really, at this point, I was married, had kids. I was, I was sacrificing, you know, a good marriage. I was sacrificing a great relationship with my children in order to fulfill these selfish, this selfishness. And again, I could not tell anybody about it because if I told anybody, I mean, especially at this point, it was so bad. Right. Um, that nobody would love me after this. I would, everything that life as I know it would just come to an end. Right. And uh, that's some foreshadowing, I guess. Um, the, uh, so ultimately, uh, one of the relationships, one of the choices that I made to get involved in a relationship was uh, one that led to me being arrested, uh, a felony arrest. Um, and, and please, I, I don't want to, by being brief, I don't want to minimalize I don't want to minimize what, what has happened. I've hurt a lot of people, not just a single one where I got in trouble, but I hurt a lot of people by pulling them away from what they knew was right, by you know, causing them to sacrifice loved ones, marriages, making choices that they probably regret. I, I inserted myself into people's history and in their, in their, in their memories in a way that I never should have. And, um, and so ultimately... I committed a, a felony, was, was arrested for committing a felony, and um, I, was, I spent a very short time in jail um, and a very long time on probation. That's where you and I met. Yeah. Um, there was a year between being arrested and serving my sentence that you right. and I kind of came into contact. But, um, but all that, still in isolation, even through my arrest, I was trying to hide, but I mean, at this point, it was out there. It was on the news. It was very public arrest, very public um, uh, news. Uh, it was it was yeah. ugly for myself, and then for my wife and kids, and my parents and my grandparents who were still alive. Could, yeah, were, had access to all that information. Suddenly, suddenly, all the stuff that I was keeping hidden right. was just thrust out into the public. Yeah, family living in town, even outside of your immediate family, a community much like I think Tyler would experience the same kind of wave of everybody knows all of a sudden. Um, and I remember when I first met you, like you, at this point, you're on the other end of this and you're like wearing the story out, like just, hey, let me, let me tell you what's happening. And I remember going, there's no way that this guy has been down that road because I couldn't reconcile it. And I just remember being... One, just um, affected by your honesty and your, your hope for God to use the brokenness, but also, two, the, um, the realization of how easy it is for us to live two different lives, for us to be one person in public, one person on the stage, one person in a setting, but someone else come behind and be suffering and dying and no one knows. So I just, um, I remember thinking those things. Well, Kendra, I want, I want you to speak a little bit about this part of the story because th at this point, everything crashes down for you. So tell us uh, your perspective of the story. Um, well, for me, I was, at the time, I was staying at home with three small children. Um, and in an instant, my life kind of imploded. And, um, you know, it's just like eight words. I think he said to me, I have destroyed our lives forever or something like that. Um, I try not to really focus on those words a lot. Um, but um, I think, I, you know, when Zach and I got married, and I said this in the first service, you know, he was, grew up in the Baptist church and I grew up in the Catholic church. And um, we got married in the Catholic church. Um, and we were about 20, 25, 26 when we got married. And the priest who married us, he was 27. 
Um, and there was something that he shared in his sermon that uh, I just remember kneeling down by Zach and saying, you know, this is, this is, this is what Father Dat told us. This is our time that we're suffering, that this is what it is. And he, when we got married, he said, um, he said that we will not truly love one another until we suffer for each other the way that Christ suffered for us on the cross. And I have always carried that with me. And that was something that when it happened, um, I just remember those words and thinking to myself, this is, this is it. This is our suffering. Um, and so it, from that point, I spent a lot of my time in, in the word and in devotion and in prayer. Every morning I would get up because when you deal with infidelity in your marriage, that's one thing. Um, but what we were dealing with was on a whole other level. And there was no one else that understood or could understood the pain and heartache that I was going through except for Jesus. Because um, I just, I, you know, I started to believe in um, just the fact that he was gonna be the one that was gonna change us. Uh, and I was gonna trust that he was gonna take care of our family. Um, some verses that I clung to, and, the, and I, I have to write things down because I have such a terrible memory. Um, but let me just pull that up here for a second. Um, I had so many that I clung to, and uh, this was just one. Um, uh, it's from Isaiah 46, for I will be your God throughout your lifetime until your hair is white with age. I made you and I will care for you. I will carry you along and save you. And I just really clung to that verse a lot during that time because I, 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 just, I just knew that the Lord was gonna take what was going on in our marriage and he was going to redeem it and, and he, will, he was gonna be glorified through it. Um, I also spent a lot of time reading Philippians. It's one of my favorite books in the Bible. And, um, you know, I think that uh, that we're as believers we're we're meant to suffer, and it and and it's what Paul said in Philippians that you know we suffer for the sake of Christ. Um, and I shared this in the first service that I have a neighbor who has had gone through a lot and had several surgeries, and um, has she shared with me her story, and she believes that she was put on this earth to suffer for the Lord. Um, and, and she still has so much joy in her life. And that's kind of where I was in my walk with this is that um, I had a lot of heartbreak and pain and there were a lot of tears, but throughout all of that, I still found joy through what the Lord was trying to do in our lives. Um, and I saw a lot of his goodness throughout. Um, like I said before, I was staying at home, um, didn't know what to do, but immediately I was... I had a job come, and that was because of the Lord. Um, we had to leave our home because of legal reasons. We had to move out of our house, but then the Lord provided us with a beautiful home after the fact, and we got to move into a wonderful neighborhood that we wanted to live in. So there's the goodness of God. You know, so all sprinkled throughout everything, um, the goodness of God just kept coming up. And um, so I think I focused a lot on his goodness and his joy and the hope that through our hope in Christ, we can still have all those, 
all his goodness and all his joy. You know, it all, all comes through Christ and Christ alone. Um, well, thank you. And one, one of the things I was thinking about this week, I was um, at school in Ohio and some of the focus was on trauma. What do we do with trauma and, and moving through trauma? And um, just as I was thinking about your story, one of the things we learned this week is that the height of trauma is trauma that comes from humans, human-induced trauma. And also when we've gone through trauma, we are more um, vulnerable to future trauma. And I remember getting a phone call from, I don't, th- I don't think it was from you yet. Someone called to tell me that one month after probation and this long journey y'all had been on where Zach couldn't go to baseball games and y'all couldn't eat in a restaurant and like having to go through all of this stuff and it, it drug out and you guys have done the hard work of trying to fight through it, but it just felt so long. And then right after you, you find out that you have cancer. Yeah. Um, the probation was five years, four and a half, five years. Um, and you know, when it ended, it was wonderful. We celebrated, we had our, our community, our, our church community, our friends, uh, we celebrated with everyone and their children. You know, we took our kids downtown Houston and did all the things that we could do. Everything that you can think of downtown in Houston, we, we tried to do um, together because we hadn't been able to do those things for five years. And then a month after that, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, <laughs> I was angry. I was angry and I was frustrated and, but I just knew I, you know, I, of course I came home and I fell down in the living room. I was by myself and, and I just cried out to the Lord and, and, you know, you stomp your feet and and you say how unfair everything is and why is this continuing to happen? Um, but I think, you know, what happened with Zach and me, we were so, at this point, we were so strong together and that was because of how much we clung to um, God during all of that. Um, that, you know, I just, I, I just got up after that, after I cried out to the Lord and just begged him, you know, please, I wasn't afraid to die because I love Jesus so much, but I did not want to leave my children without a mother. Um, and I, I knew that, I knew, I just felt in my heart that, that the Lord wasn't finished with me, that, I, that it wasn't my time. Um, and so again, you know, you just keep going back to the hope, the hope that you have and the hope that you have in Christ, the hope that, you know, goodness is gonna come from all of this. And that's just what we kept clinging to, what we kept believing. And um, during the process of going through all the cancer treatments, the chemo, all the doctor's visits, all the surgeries, um, my mom and Zach went to every doctor's appointment. Um, and so they got to spend a lot of time together. And one of the things that my mom shared with me um, was that one day they were having a conversation and Zach said to my mom, she said, you know, for five years, she carried the load for me. And now it's my turn to carry the load for her. And 
and that changed a lot. It changed the relationship with my mom and Zach a lot. Um, thank you. So, you know, I, I think that, and I'm cancer-free. I didn't mention that at the 8.30, and someone said something, and I said, well, I guess I should maybe mention that. Yeah, um, <laughs> uh, yeah so, uh, yeah, I'm cancer-free, so yay. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's been a long journey. Um, but again, you know, the great thing about what we went through is the people that were in our lives. The community of believers that surrounded us, um, I didn't mention this in the first service, but our first Valentine's Day after everything happened, we woke up in the morning and out on our front front porch, there was this wreath of all these envelopes and in every single envelope, I don't know how many there were, like hundreds, yeah, were all these scripture verses from people from our church had just gotten together and decided to write all these scriptures and they just it was just a wreath of scripture verses and letters and like just this outpouring of love. Um, so it was like we were fighting for each other, but our community was also fighting for us. And I took all those scriptures with me to court every single month. And I read through every single scripture while we sat in court every single month. And I still have those cards and they're all, the edges are all torn up because I use them so much. And then his mother, his mom, she was with me and she would read through them. So I'd read through the cards and then she'd read through the cards and then she'd come back to me and I'd read through the cards. But it was just, um, I don't think we could have gotten through a lot of what we went through, the probation, the court appearances, cancer, without our church, without our friendships that we made in our church, our community, and you know, you and Lauren, for sure. Um, but yeah, so I mean, so let me, let me use that to ask Zach a question. I think with your journey and what you've shared already about um, isolation and this double life, church, community, class meeting, band group, those became vital to your healing um, and to your uh, story of redemption that God was writing in your heart and in y'all's marriage. So tell me about why those communities, that um, transformative, vulnerable community was so important to you. Well, first of all, right after, right after I was, right after this became public, my, the choices that I made and became public, um, you know, I was kind of floundering for a while and the church called me and said, hey, I, we understand that you need a job and we have a job here. If you think it might be interested, please come and talk to us about it. It may not be what you're looking for. Of course, I was... And like like the wreath thing, I was going, why would anybody reach out at this point in our lives? Why are, why are people trying to come into our lives at this point? It was, it was bizarre. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so I went and interviewed for that job. It wasn't really a job. It was just a bunch of random tasks yeah. that somebody had gathered together. Somebody at the church had just gathered. It's like, tell me your least favorite task. Yeah. And then they would put them we're all We're going to collect it for you, Zach. It. Exactly. You're so exactly was, what we're looking and for. The, the, point, the point that I was in, I was happy to do any awful thing just yeah. to have some normalcy and not just sit at home and just feel guilty. Yeah. Um, so the church came through for us there, and I even apologized to our senior pastor, and, and he cut me off in my apology, and he said, Zach, I just want you to know that I did get a phone call about who we had just hired. And he said, I told that person that if we're not here for Zach Harlan, then what are we here for? 
And that broke my heart. And so from that point on, I was committed to doing everything I could to, to lean into this grace that I was given. Um, at this point, it was hard for us. I mean, we were, I mean, this was so fresh and the anger and the frustration and trying to decide what did we want in our marriage? Did we want to be married? How is that going to happen? Um, and so I started going, because I was now working at the church, there was a, a men's Bible study and all those men at the time were probably twice my age. Yeah. But um, I, was, I was going to this Bible study and it was the first time, like I walked in the door and the first thing that happened was I got hugs. And oh, okay, yeah, that, maybe that's how they greet each other. And then the conversation was, was so open and, and so welcoming. And this was the first time, this was my introduction to the idea that, okay, surely these guys have seen the news and seen what the choices that I've made have done to someone else, to my family. And, and, and it's just conversation about, well, how can we be there for you? How can we support you? Here's what I've learned. Here's what Christ has done for me in my life. And this was the first time that I realized that these guys know my story. These guys know what I've done. And they're like pouring into me anyway. And so this was the introduction to the idea that I could be known yeah. and loved at the same time. Yeah. Um, and that piece brought me back home where I believed that, okay, maybe this is real. And that opened doors for Kinder and me to speak with one another. I was sleeping on the couch at the time, rightfully so. Um, and I, Kinder would come down every day and I'd try to act like I was, you know, reading a Bible or doing something productive because I wanted to, again, still yeah. tr- still hanging on Burning to this concept. Burning incense and yeah. your prayer mats out. Right, exactly. And, trying yeah, to, trying yeah. to seem like, right. oh, I wanted her to see, hey, he's trying really hard. And yeah. in reality, I was still doing this fake it till you make it thing. Right. And it was hard for me to let go of that. Um, but this meeting with these men helped me to be honest with her. And eventually our relationship got to the point where she would sit down and we could talk. And, and that's when I recognized that there was true grace because she was, I mean, the fact that she was on the couch was more grace than I deserved. And, um, and that was my, again, so, so introduction to being loved this was my real, this was the same grace that Christ showed us was being shown to me by the person that I hurt the most. And, and, and so that really started to open my heart to the idea of, oh, well, maybe, maybe, maybe I can be vulnerable. Maybe I can talk to someone. Maybe, maybe this is a good way to go about things. And so um, I eventually joined a band group. Mm-hmm. Um, this was early on in my probation, joined a band group. And uh, so Jason and Paul and Matt and I would meet. And again, I tested this theory out. Okay, well, here I go. So the first band group meeting, I believe I was the only one that spoke. Yeah. Because I took, like we wanted to meet for about an hour and a half. I took about an hour and 15 minutes. And I just started laying it all out. And it wasn't even all of it. I was still testing the waters of of if this grace thing was real. And so um, so all this stuff that I had pretended to be all about growing up, I was starting to be really impacted by it because it was being shown to me by these other people. And so I laid it all out. They loved me on the other end. It was another reassurance that, okay, this is the right way to go. And it helped me to know what I needed. I knew all along that I needed to stay in this marriage, um, that this was the right place. And the fact that she was showing me grace was only, only uh, a validation of that, that, um, I started to actually get into the word, actually feeling this grace, getting, getting taught by the scriptures and how, how Christ um, 
died for me. I mean, it was just all this stuff that I'd always known that I'd lived out for an entire life was becoming real to me because I was finally able to lay it all out there and be fully known right. and, and be loved on the other end. Yeah, amen, amen. I always like um, kind of joke about folks like Zach in a band group because like a lot of guys get together and when they confess sin, it's like, oh, uh, this week I... Uh, ate too much at dinner and you know and then Zach shares and it's hard to stay shallow when someone is just gonna put that out there and say this is what's happening and this is what Jesus has done in my life yeah so I joke and say I'm a I'm a small group ringer because yeah. if I go first then yeah. everybody else is like oh, yeah like can't well, if he can say can't that. share about yeah. the traffic thing where sure. I yelled at somebody after that yeah but the yeah. the real idea is and I'm hoping that this brings the same thing is that someone here is saying the same thing. Yeah. That, man, what I have to say is nowhere near as bad as what that guy has to say. What I've done is nowhere near as, as dark as what that guy's done. You know, maybe if he can speak and be fully known and fully loved, well, maybe I can too. And I hope that that's the case. And for guys, it's tough because I wanted to be tough. I wanted to take it all on my own. I felt like I was protecting people yeah. if I wasn't telling them. And, uh, and the reality is that being real and opening up was, was the true beginning to feeling that love and affection that I'd always right. been chasing after. So quickly, Kendra, tell me about um, what class meeting in particular. By the way, class meetings we've been talking about for several weeks tend to... 12 men and women meeting together to testify to what Christ is doing in their life right now so that we might walk on the way of Jesus together. So tell me about why class meeting was so important for your marriage over the last several years. Well, when we started our class meeting, um, he was still on his probation and was not able to go to church with us. And so um, when John Wayne brought class meetings to our church, I really wanted us to lead um, lead a small group, lead a class meeting group, because I knew that it was something that we could do together, um, and I wanted him to be around more, uh, you know, community of believers, um, and so we were able to bring our class meeting into our home, and the church provided child care for us, so we could do that, um, and basically, I mean, that, that was one of the biggest things is that it was all about bringing the church to Zach. Um, so, and for our marriage really to just continue. I mean, we were doing, we were, we were praying together in the morning. We were reading together in the morning. Um, we were doing things together every morning, but to be able to sit with, the, in an, in a, with a group of believers and to talk about our souls and what we were struggling with. Um, I don't know, it just kind of came at a whole different level. And there were things that he talked about in class meeting that he and I hadn't talked about yet. So what it also did is that after class meeting was over, I was like, oh, let's, uh, let's talk about what you shared in, in group today. And so it just got us, you know, it kind of opened the door for even more communication. So it, it definitely built our marriage, uh, you know, gave more strength within our marriage, communication for communication for sure. Yeah. Um, and again, you know, he opened our group, I closed our group. And, you know, when Zach opened the group, it was like dropping the mic, yeah. you know, I mean, just sort of, <laughs> then everybody had to, so it was, we had, I don't know, just very wonderful group 
soul, you know. Yeah. Yeah. We really talked about our souls a lot in our group. So it, it really, it was, it's a huge connection yeah. with other people and then with one another. It just kind of continued that. Um, definitely opened the door for communication, real and honest communication, which I think is a very important in a marriage. Yeah. Were you going to say something? No. All right. So for time's sake, I want to skip to our, the final question I wanted to ask y'all just for people in the room or watching online, like, if you were to say something, if you were to leave a word with us today, somebody that's walking through isolation or being alone or maybe a diagnosis or addiction or whatever it is, what would each of you, what would the word that you would want to say into the, into the room this morning? Um, well, I think I gave more than just a word last time, but... Uh, it's okay. <laughs> um, you know, we've talked a lot about, Zach especially has talked a lot about uh, living in that darkness and isolation. Um, and I think one of the things that I I carry with me and that I, I believe and I trust in the Lord a lot is that, you know, we know and we've read in Scripture that His light will overcome the darkness. Um, but sometimes when that happens, there's a lot of pain and there's a lot of heartache and there's a lot of hurt feelings that comes out comes out of that darkness, you know, when, when it's revealed. Um, but that's okay uh, because, you know, we have our hope in the Lord. Um, and really, there's so much freedom to that. When, you, when, when the light overcomes the darkness, and even though there's pain and heartache, there's hope in Jesus Christ, and there's so much freedom in that. So don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to share your story. Don't be afraid to open up. Don't be afraid to talk to somebody. Don't be afraid to tell your wife what you're struggling with. Because, you know, you love each other. And you're gonna suffer for each other the way that Christ suffered for us on the cross. That's what, that's what we're meant for. So that's what I would say. Is that all? Thanks. That's my one word. <laughs> Follow that, Zach. <laughs> my best. Um, I would say that uh, in my story, you know, in this context, there was a lot that Christ brought me through and, and us through. Um, but um, I'm not the victim. You know, there were many other victims of choices that I made. And so that brings with it a lot of guilt, um, a lot of shame, especially when it was out in the open. Um, so... One of the songs that we sang that uh, before we came on here was that that God has has been with me yeah. all along, he, yeah. he, and He's He's not let me fall. And although I feel like I've fallen, that same God that I profess to know early on and truly know yeah. today more yeah. so um, was with me all along. Yeah. And and if I could have been vulnerable in those times where I was struggling, how am I going to get through this? How am I going to beat this, fight this fight by myself? If I had believed that and been vulnerable and talked to someone, um, um, that this, 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 whole, this whole story might be different. Yeah. Um, so my encouragement is to be open and be vulnerable and don't be afraid to, uh, to, to kind of take this hard step towards something much better. Yeah, amen. Well, I just want to say out loud to both of y'all, I'm so grateful I know this is not easy. Um, and for y'all to come and bless us by sharing your story. Kendra, from the beginning, you've showed us Christ, as I know Zach has 
testified to today, but not just Zach, all of us have seen Jesus in you. Um, and the way that y'all share your story points to the redemption of Jesus Christ. And I'm just grateful for you. I'm thankful for um, and expectant for what God's gonna continue to do in y'all and, and for your family. Friends, let's give them a hand. Thank you so much for sharing today. And I'd like for us to spend just a moment in prayer. I think that's an appropriate place for us to, to end in a couple moments as the band comes out and gets set up again. Um, and I believe the Lord's at work in this conversation and in this space today. And so if you'd open up your hearts and be honest to that, I believe that there's healing and freedom. I believe there's courage that could be found here today. And so let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's pray together. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we praise your name and we give you thanks for the testimony that has been shared here because it's, it's a gospel testimony. It's not just about Zach and Kendra and their kiddos, but it's about your grace and your salvation and your redemption. Lord, that story of salvation is about this great chasm, this mountain that was between us and you didn't consider it too big or too much to overcome. It's a story of love because you didn't see the pile of our garbage and say, oh, what, what are you doing? But you came to be alongside us. And so Lord, I just, I just wanna invite, not because you need an invitation, but we just wanna acknowledge you here this morning. Or if there's somebody that's in this room for the person that feels captive to sin or brokenness, Lord, I just pray, I declare freedom in Jesus' name. That you would, that you would bring freedom, but if not that yet, that you would increase their, their belief that freedom is possible in you. God, I pray for that person that is in this room that is struggling with that dark sin that they don't wanna let go of. God, that sin is not who they are, but it's death and evil, Lord, and there's healing from it. And I pray for that in the room. And God, maybe for the marriage that's in here that's saying, man, I didn't wanna listen to that because it says too much about my own place. God, I just pray for, for healing. I pray for a restoration of belief in one another because they know that you are in the midst of it. Jesus, I, I pray for the person that's in the room that's walking through suffering God, so often we wish that we had an easy answer or a way to just remove that very thing. But today we are reminded that in the midst of suffering, there you are. That you, you took on all the sufferings of the world so that in our suffering, we know that we are connected with you. So God, I pray for resolve and hope and God, for this community, Lord, I pray that we 
would be a people that are set apart for you. That you would help us to go on this journey of following you so that we might become like you, so that we might do what you're doing in the world. Help us to be less known for what we are, who we are, and more known for who you are. God, this is your church. We are your people. We're desperate for you. We love you and trust you. Let's worship together.